It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Joe and Amber, Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh, we are here with you in this time slot each and every weeknight, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. You can check him out on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can check me out as well at Amber W Sports. So we were all pumped up coming off the semis, Joe, about that national championship. And boy, was it ugly. I mean, ugly like the ugliest we've ever seen in the history of ugly, which is saying something. Georgia ends up beating TCU 65-7. to So now, of course, the question is, was this the biggest beatdown in a championship game that we've ever seen? I do think we have a tendency to live in the moment with these things, but this one's certainly near the top of the list. The writing was on the wall for this. Not to this extent, but there were two things that stuck out. Number one, the worst thing that could have happened for TCU was Ohio State scaring the living hell out of Georgia the week before. If Georgia cruises in that game, perhaps they come in a little arrogant, but they were put on high alert. And if you listen to head coach Kirby Smart talking with Laura Rutledge after the game, you knew he was disappointed in that performance against the Buckeyes and that they were going to retool that defense during the week. And they most certainly did because we saw that during the regular season. They stumbled in a two-week stretch against Kent State and Missouri, and then the defense locked it down over the next seven games, allowing just 11 points per game. Championship caliber stuff. Number two, anytime any Tom, Dick, or Harry is telling you TCU plus all the points is such a great bet, and you watch the point spread keep moving to Georgia, you should know something's up. Everybody loved TCU. How could you not fall in love with the underdog story? How could you not love them after what they did to Michigan and after what happened to Georgia against Ohio State? Recency bias at its finest. And as a result, people were lining up on TCU, and yet the point spread goes from 12.5 to 13 to 13.5 to the key number of 14, and then it's a Georgia route. All the writing was on the wall for that to happen last night, but to that extent, I don't think anyone expected 65-7. to 7. Do you see that as the biggest championship beatdown of all time? There have been some good ones across all sports. There have been some good ones across sports. When we were having this discussion in the pre-show meeting, I mean, instantly I was just thinking about college football alone, and I'm a Gators fan, so I remember very clearly the beatdown over Florida State, 52-20. to 20. Now, that was a good one, and that was a revenge game, so we were out for blood in that one because FSU had beat us during the regular season, obviously, in-state rival, and so that was a lopsided score. I had, by the way, pushed out of my mind the season before that as a Gators fan, which is when Nebraska beat us down. Even worse, I had completely forgotten. That game was horrible. What was that, Tommy Frazier, right? Yes, yes. Oh, oh my 62 God. to 24. I had forgotten about that atrocity. And so the Cornhuskers certainly beat down my Gators the year before. There's been some lopsided national championship games just in that sport. Now, this is the biggest one in terms of the point spread. But, I mean, we have seen some ugly, ugly national championship games where it ain't worth watching by the second half, which is what happened here. And it's such a shame because I think – that not only did we all want the story, which I mean, it was, it was, you know, a Cinderella type story for TCU, which we all loved, but 
I think also just wanting to see that TCU offense. I mean, TCU has been a team. They haven't exactly been beating teams all season defensively. They they are a team with that air raid offense. They're fun to watch, obviously. Max Duggan and what he's done. Sonny Dykes, the first year head coach. Just the whole story. Uh, the backfield. I mean, it's it's been an unbelievable story to witness, but it's also been a fun team to actually watch play football. So even though I absolutely thought Georgia was going to win this game, and I thought they were going to win it in dominating fashion, I thought it was going to be a little less ugly than what we saw from TCU. I mean, it was like they were out there not even playing defense at all on Georgia, which was a little surprising because TCU's weakness had been defense. And yet against Michigan, I think that was the reason they won that game against Michigan was their defense. Their offense at times, I mean, their offense did the things that they've been doing all season long, but it wasn't like Max Duggan was perfect in that game against Michigan by any means. They st- he stepped up when he needed to in the most clutch moments. But offensively, they actually had some faux pas in that game. Defensively, they played the best I had seen them play in the season and so then for them to go out against Georgia and just not have any defense at all I mean it was it it, it was something three all-time championship beatdowns that come to mind number one right here in Las Vegas 1990 UNLV 103 Duke 73 a 30-point win in the final four a 30-point win number two Super Bowl 24 49ers 55, Broncos 10. That game was over immediately. And then number three, and I don't think many people will look at it this way because it's not a team sport, but in 2000 at Pebble Beach in the U.S. Open, Tiger Woods shot 12 under to win the event. Mm -hmm. Second place was plus three. Oh, wow. Woods won that event by 15 strokes. You don't shoot very far under par at the normal U.S. Open. It's designed to be as difficult as it comes. Second and third place, Ernie Els and Miguel Angel Jimenez tied at plus three. Woods was 12 under, 15 strokes. He more than lapped the field. That might be the all-time championship beatdown. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Let's win you some pizza money. Let's try again, Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Maybe they want another slice. You know, you already gave them some pizza money last hour. (laughs) So pizza money bets are small wager bets. Wagers we like, but we don't love them. So we throw some pizza money at them. This one is a futures play. It's not something you can play tonight or tomorrow. It's for the 2023 Heisman Trophy, since we're talking about college football. Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow is 80 to 1. Not 8 to 1, 80 to 1. An Alabama quarterback is 80 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. A $100 bet returns $8,000 in profit. Remember, two years ago, 2021, Bryce Young, Alabama quarterback, won the Heisman Trophy. Year before that, 2020, Mac Jones finished third in Heisman Trophy voting. Those guys, the year before they won, both stepped in as backups. Both look terrible in their opportunities, just like Milrow did when he stepped in for Bryce Young this year. So everybody's checked out on him, and he's 80-1. to Bama's going to be in a lot of nationally televised games. They've got an arsenal of weapons. They're going to win a lot. It checks all the boxes. If he turns out to take the next step in his progression, 80-1 to will be long gone before the start of the season. Pizza money wager number two tonight, Heisman future. Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow, 80-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy. 
I like that one. I like that a lot more than pizza money wager number one that you gave us where you told people to bet against my Miami Heat. By the way, the Miami Heat right now beating the Oklahoma City Thunder 37 to 32, Joe. So not going so well for you at the moment. Thunder will break late. That's how they play. They will break late. We'll see. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, is Justin Fields really the Bears franchise quarterback? Are they going another direction? We'll get into that next. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Bears have the number one overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Are we sure that they're not going to take a quarterback? This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. Joe Fortenbaugh, you can find him at Joe Fortenbaugh. Amber Wilson, you can find me at Amber W Sports. So what's been happening here over the last few days, the conversation surrounding Justin Fields' future in Chicago has been interesting. Let's go ahead and bring in some help with this conversation. ESPN Bears reporter Courtney Cronin joins the show. And Courtney... You were there, of course, at Ryan Pohl's press conference. The GM, I mean, he kind of backed his guy. He said, quote unquote, that he'd have to be absolutely blown away to take a quarterback with the number one overall pick. That wasn't a no, Courtney. What do you make of these comments from Ryan Pohl's today? I think he left the window open just enough to help with the conversation around what they're going to do with this pick. Like, if they don't get the offer that they want, from other teams maybe it's houston trying to buy their pick back maybe it's indianapolis trying to trade up from four we heard chris ballard say that he would be willing to trade heaven and earth for the right guy if he's there uh, at the quarterback spot so i think it's a leverage play for polls putting it out there that you know they would have to be really blown away before drafting a quarterback because that's clearly not a need it was an endorsement of justin fields today but there were also like polls was realistic with his observations that we all saw that Justin is a terrific athlete and as a, as a running quarterback, he can create some really explosive plays, but he needs to improve as a passer. So I, you know, this conversation has been going on here since they got the number one pick. It feels like the last couple of days, we've all been playing, you know, the trade machine and GM trying to figure out what they do. 
I think that Ryan Poles supports Justin Fields, expects Justin Fields to be his quarterback next year, as he said so much today, but is also trying to give himself, do his own due diligence in giving himself this window to change his mind if he wants to, if something else comes up, and if he truly is blown away either by an offer for Fields or whether it's an offer um, you know, or whether it's a quarterback that they really like at the top of the board that he would like to draft. Because remember, Amber, he didn't pick Justin Fields. Like he was, uh, Fields was already here for his rookie season, picked by the last general manager, Ryan Pace. All right, so let's assume for a second that Fields is the guy. So there's two options. You either stay at number one and make the pick, and part A to this question is who would that be? And part B to the question is what's it going to take to move out of one in your opinion? Because Houston wants a QB at two, Indy at four, Raiders at seven, Falcons at eight, Panthers at nine, all possibly in the quarterback market. Yeah, so if it's like who's going to blow them away uh, enough for them to move out of the number ones or, you know, for them to draft a quarterback, that was the first question, right? Uh, Yeah, we'll go with that. And then who would be their pick if they end up sticking? Yeah, I mean, if they... We know that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are at the top of the draft board. Now, are they a generational talent, a can't-miss prospect, sort of like an Andrew Luck? I don't know. I don't think that that guy exists, honestly, at the quarterback spot in 2024. So I can't really see Ryan Poles going back you know, to the drawing board at the quarterback spot based on what he knows he has in Justin Fields. Like, scenario though of them trading fields like if he gets an offer he can't refuse as it pertains to his own quarterback like what if one of those quarterback needy teams that you mentioned joe said hey we're going to give you two first for for justin fields and you know package some other things in there do you think he can say no to that because you're still in a spot where you can take whichever quarterback you want at the top of the board and you could get multiple first round picks for either this year and obviously one for next year i think that that wouldn't be an indictment on fields it wouldn't tell you anything of you know Ryan Pulse doesn't like Justin Fields that to me though is an offer that they couldn't turn down now what do they need they need defensive linemen they need offensive linemen they need wide receivers and to me if you're going to move back you don't go further than four because I think Jalen Carter and Will Anderson and every mock draft I've looked at the last couple weeks he's been gone by four and both of them have and I don't think that you want to risk that if you're the Chicago Bears and moving back too far where you'd put yourself out of play for two defensive players who could come here and make an immediate impact. Cause we know their pass rush was, was awful this year. It didn't exist. And to have a disruptive three technique, we saw how good Jalen Carter was in the game last night. And that's pretty enticing for the GM. I thought the Bears needed every position on that field, except for quarterback, Courtney. But what do I know? Uh, apparently they might need one of those as well. ESPN Bears reporter, Courtney Cronin. Courtney, thanks for stopping by. Thanks guys. Take care. This Justin Fields situation has been surprising to me because I know, Joe, obviously they get the number one overall pick. Boy, did the Texans mess that thing up or maybe Lovey Smith didn't mess it up and, uh, you know, threw them the deuces as he walked out of town kind of Lovie thing. Smith, I don't know. former Chicago Bear. There you go. Well, uh, that's, a, that's a conspiracy theory if I ever heard one. But what's interesting is even with the number one overall pick, I didn't think we were going to be here. Like I thought Justin Fields had done enough before the injuries where we wouldn't be at all having a conversation about the future of Justin Fields in Chicago. I genuinely thought, man, that Bears team has a whole lot of problems, but the one thing they were able to see is that they do have their guy under center. And if you can see that when you don't have an O-line and you don't have the pieces on defense and you don't have the pieces in terms of some of those skill positions, then I feel like you really should should know that he is in fact the guy and has a future there. 
Never underestimate the power of ego. Mm -hmm. Never underestimate the power of ego. Courtney's most important insight of the several she just gave us was that polls and this organization, this front office, they did not draft Justin Fields. He's not their guy. If Fields is a star, that doesn't land on their resume. That lands on the previous regime's resume. People might think I'm crazy, but I want to play something out for you. When John Gruden won that title in Tampa, all anyone ever says in the following sentence, here's sentence A, well, John Gruden won a Super Bowl. Here's sentence B. Yeah, but that was Tony Dungy's team. Mm -hmm. That's all you ever hear. Gruden never gets credit for winning that Super Bowl, or at least to the extent that most Super Bowl winning coaches get. They always point to the fact that he inherited this great team. Guys want to do it themselves. Their egos come into play. And if you're Chicago, I wouldn't be surprised if you sat there and you thought to yourself, well, he's not our guy. And B, he takes a lot of vicious hits. A lot of vicious hits. We saw how quickly Cam Newton's career deteriorated. I think Justin Fields is fantastic. I love watching him play football. He's one of the most watchable guys in the NFL, but they have to figure out a way to keep him healthy because if you can't keep him healthy, his career is going to turn around in a hurry. So it's very compelling to have this conversation about what the Bears are going to do at quarterback with that first overall pick. That's fine. That's true with any quarterback in the league. And we're just not facing a league where the trajectory now is these quarterbacks that just stay in the pocket and don't get hit, right? Like the way Tom Brady plays football ain't the way that these young guys play football. And so they're far more likely to play football like a Josh Allen or play football like we see from Justin Fields in this day and age. And frankly, that's what you want if you can figure out a way for them to have longevity at that position while still giving you that dynamic play that those guys are able to produce. Justin Fields was so unbelievably exciting to watch on a terrible Bears team. I mean, terrible Bears team. And I understand what you're saying. With Poles, he's not his guy. He's not Eberflus's guy either. And there are egos at play. But man, you know, what is it? One in the one in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Because that's the situation that I think that the Chicago Bears are going to find themselves in. I have no idea whether these guys, the CJ Strouds of the world, are going to pan out in the NFL. I have no idea whether they're going to look anything like half of what Justin Fields has looked like, again, on a very bad Bears team. I just feel like when you can show in snippets that you have that level of talent, and other teams would be salivating over Justin Fields, I think, if they're willing to get rid of him. And yes, the asking price, I would imagine, would be high. But if you can show that on that team with no O-line and a significant lack of weapons, then I feel like you've really got it. And I just don't know if it would be the same situation as the one that you just referenced there in Tampa, because it's not like this is a complete team in any other capacity. So yes, they didn't choose Justin Fields, but they will have quite literally chosen everything else around him. Ideal situation for the Bears, trade from one to four. Get a bunch of draft picks from the Indianapolis Colts, Let them go up and take a QB. Let Houston take a QB at two. Arizona at three. You hope they don't take Will Anderson, the linebacker out of Alabama, and then he's sitting there at four for you after you've traded down. That would be ideal for the Bears. Remember, all the people who like the idea of Bryce Young, he's like 185 pounds. That wind at Soldier Field is nasty late in the year. You need a big arm and a big body to be able to survive some of that stuff. I think that this is all just for that. I think that this is all just a pony show because really they want to be able to trade back. They don't need the number one overall pick and they're just trying to get the highest asking price they can from these other teams that are a lot more interested in getting that number one pick in order to take somebody at that quarterback position. Coming up next, speaking of quarterbacks, did we watch Aaron Rodgers play his final game? I guess we're going to have another segment about Aaron Rodgers because, you know, he wants us to. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. We have entered the season of what is Aaron Rodgers going to do with his career. That is the season that we have entered. That is the season that we will be in for many, many more months because it's something that now we do annually here on ESPN Radio and across every affiliate. Thanks, of course, to the Aaron Rodgers. We are going to hear from Rodgers. We are going to hear from plenty others across the world of sports. On Joe and Amber, this is a little segment that we like to call Sound On, Sound Off. They said it. But what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. With Joe and Amber and our producer, James Steele, we are going to bring in James for some help with this segment. But first, let's hear from that other guy that I was just talking about because tis the season, Joe. Aaron Rodgers, he is back at it where we're going to ask him every time there's a microphone anywhere near him, are you going to come back? Do you want to play football next season? Here's the Packers quarterback. You stand on what you want to do next year. I mean, it's a little raw right now. You know, it's just a little bit after the game. So I want to take the emotion out of it and have conversations and see where the organization's at and see how I feel after some time has passed. So, Amber... Yes, what, James. What will Aaron Rodgers be doing when the 2023 NFL season starts? He will be playing football and he will be making over $50 million for doing just that because he just signed a contract a year ago for over $50 million per, making him the highest per annual in the NFL. And when he did that, he committed himself to, you know, playing some football. Now, I know we like to flirt with the idea that Aaron Rodgers is going to go do Jeopardy or live in the woods and do whatever he's doing there. But ayahuasca. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but whatever else he has going on, you know, uh, but I think that this is all because Aaron Rodgers likes this exactly what we are sitting here on Joe and Amber and doing. He wants more of it. He wants us to do it for the next six months. And you know what, Aaron, we're probably gonna, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. And that's, what's going to happen with Rodgers. He'll be back with the Packers last year, next year. Keep this in mind. As much as he didn't want to be Brett Favre at the beginning of his career, he is now <laughs> Brett Favre. He's got the one 100%. Super Bowl. He's got several misses, tons of talent, tons of stats. But as you get near the end and things start to unwind a little bit, it's more drama than it is production on the field. That's what happened with Favre at the end. Every year, Favre wouldn't come back till late July, early August because he wanted to skip training camp. Rodgers will probably be the same way. He didn't like Favre at the beginning. They didn't have a good relationship. Newsflash, you are now Brett Favre. 
Minus think, Mississippi. I think that, right, well, uh, I think that, that that is true. Uh, but the difference there being that, you know, Brett Favre had that other guy sitting behind him who the Packers were pretty convinced could play some football. And I don't know the Packers are as convinced that the guy sitting behind Aaron Rodgers right now could play some football. So they might be putting up with this longer than they had hoped. Uh, moving on here to another team in the Miami Dolphins, my Miami Dolphins, but a quarterback situation that might not be any more secure because of the health concerns surrounding Tua Tungvaloa. Jeff Darlington, he is ESPN's NFL reporter. He was on Canty and Carlin and had some interesting things to say about that Dolphins quarterback situation. I can't foresee a situation where the Dolphins merely, you know, release Tua. At this point, I think he's on the hook for like $9 million next year, uh, especially if that was the reason. So to me, I could see the Dolphins pursuing a more stable veteran and go that route with Tua also on the roster. Uh, And maybe someone who ultimately would unseat him, say like a Derek Carr type of player. So Joe, who do you think will be the Dolphins quarterback next season? It's going to start with Tua, but... You know what? Scratch that. It's not going to be Tua. I'll go ahead and say it's not going to be Tua. The most important ability is availability. He's not available. He's not available. And it's not like he's suffering an ankle sprain here and a wrist injury there. These are concussions. How many concussions has this guy actually had this season? Like documented maybe what? Three you're showing me? Well, he's had three, but documented technically two. But I think we we all think he's had three. And it's probably actually more by the actual definition of concussion. We're just going by the NFL's diagnosis here. They are in the playoffs. He is not available for their playoff game. He is not going to be the long-term answer. Not because he can't play. He showed us he could this year. The problem is he can't stay healthy. And you can't keep sustaining brain injuries and keep coming back. You can deal with a nagging hamstring injury. You can deal with a nagging shoulder injury. You can't deal with repeated concussions. I don't fully understand why we have these conversations about Tua and we should and they're important conversations and obviously we do all care about the future of these players and the humans themselves but I don't understand why we have these conversations about Tua and nobody has these conversations about Kenny Pickett it's strange to me I even heard people saying hey put the Steelers in over the Dolphins because the Dolphins aren't going to be able to do anything without Tua and I'm like okay so we're going to roll out Kenny Pickett who also by the way has sustained multiple concussions this season it's just a strange thing that we do with this one particular player in Tua but there seems to be this conversation around the future of Tua because of these concussions he is not the only player in the league and not the only quarterback in the league by any stretch who has suffered multiple concussions this season but he does seem to be the one that people really zero in on when it comes to is there any sustainability And I think part of it is because it's not just the concussions Joe I mean it is concussions but I think part of it is also like that major hip injury in college like we've seen other like major major injuries to this particular athlete. And it definitely gives us this idea that maybe he's just a bit too undersized and not durable enough to really play this game at the NFL level. I would say, though, that they would turn to somebody like a Jimmy Garoppolo. He'd be an excellent fit. Obviously, Mike McDaniel's familiarity with him. The problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is also... Oh, by the way, availability. I don't know if I really believe the Dolphins are going to move into a different direction from Tua. I could see, like Jeff Darlington just said, them bringing in a veteran presence 
to try to shore up that position behind two and assume that you're probably going to need a very viable backup because they're going to get a lot of playing time. Up next, let's talk about more quarterbacks where the future is very uncertain. Let's go to the New York Jets. We'll stay in the division and go to the other disappointing team who had an even worse season uh, at the end here than the Miami Dolphins because they couldn't find their way into a postseason because of the hands of the Miami Dolphins. Zach Wilson, he is the quarterback of that team, at least for now. He was asked about his mindset heading into this offseason. You said you're you're a competitor, so if they come to you in March and say, look, uh, we're going to keep you, we like you, we're going to develop you, but we're signing veteran X to be our starter. Mm -hmm. How would you feel? Yeah, I'm going to make that dude's life hell in practice every day. (laughs) You know, I'm going to... I'm going to go out there and do my best uh, to just show the coaches that I deserve to be there. And, you know, and it's not it's not in a negative way. It's a positive way. It's making everybody else, you know, better, hopefully. Amber, will Zach Wilson ever be the Jets franchise quarterback? Well, no, because nobody's ever going to be the Jets franchise quarterback because the Jets completely mishandled this situation. <laughs> the Jets don't know how to handle any situation. Uh, Joe Namath's going to be the guy. Like, they're not going to have a franchise quarterback because they mishandle every situation at that quarterback position. This being part of that conversation. I actually love what Zach Wilson said there. I know everybody else in the world is going to hate it. I know no one's surprised that I'm out here defending something else that Zach Wilson said. That Those words come out of any other quarterback's mouths. We're like, oh, this guy with the confidence, and that's the attitude you want from your quarterback. You want him to say, hey, I'm going to compete no matter what, no matter who is out there. I'm not going to make it easy on the next guy trying to take my job. We would love that from anybody else. Everyone's going to chastise Zach Wilson because of that, because we're at a place where it doesn't matter what comes out of Zach Wilson's mouth. We're going to chastise him, and that's going to happen until he gets off the New York Jets because of how they have mishandled that situation. So no, but it's not his fault. It's the New York Jets' fault. I will answer this question in late July. I'm not going to answer it now. I refuse, and I don't believe I have to. I'm going to say this. Well, you do. That's the rules that James just told you. You have to answer yeah, Play by the rules. What are we doing here? If we can get from now until late July, and I don't hear anything about Zach Wilson, specifically him talking or doing anything, I'm willing to give him another chance. I think if I hear sound bites, comments, vacations, Instagrams, all that, <laughs> Completely checking out on him. He's you a young guy. Twenty something to not be out here on the gram. What are you talking about? Let's let's see what you're made of. You have been humiliated and dragged through the mud all season long. People think you are a joke. They're writing you off like Jamarcus Russell. They've put your stats next to Jamarcus Russell. Anytime you are in the Jamarcus Russell conversation. You have got to do everything you can to extract yourself from that conversation. It is the worst place to be in professional football. Nobody wants to be in the Jamarcus Russell conversation. Put your head down, do the work, stay off the radar, come back in July, I'll give you a shot. But if all summer long it's vacations and having fun and pop it up in the news for all the wrong reasons, no, he's not taking it seriously enough and he's never going to have a shot to be the Jets franchise quarterback. The Denver Broncos have had a dumpster fire of a season, even a far worse one, frankly, than the New York Jets have. They also have quarterback uh, question marks, but they are locked into that dude, so there's no controversy there. Nevertheless, uh, one member of the Broncos, Quinn Miners, he has a lofty goal, and it involves the Kansas City Chiefs. Take a listen. I said it before. I'm I'm sick of losing to the Chiefs. That is like my number one goal that I'm like have like looking at every day. Is I really want to beat them. Um, I'm going to say it because it's, it's one on my on my chest. The fact that they did that little ring around a rosy play against the Raiders like genuinely like like pissed me off and I'm I'm just excited for that for that day and for that moment and that's one of the things that I'm preparing for going into next year. Uh, so 
Joe, should the Broncos set their goals just a little bit higher than just beating the Chiefs? No, they should not. That should absolutely be the number one goal for the Denver Broncos. Winning your division is the easiest path to getting into the playoffs. Don't worry about everything else. Don't worry about what's going on in Buffalo and Cincinnati. Don't worry about Dallas or San Francisco. If you are Denver, if you are the Chargers, if you are the Raiders, your goal should be very simple. Beat the Chiefs, win the division. The Chiefs have won this division seven years in a row. Once you get past them, you've put yourself in a position where you can finally make a run. But that should be the goal. What's Denver's goal going to be? Win the Super Bowl? People will laugh at that because they didn't do anything this year, Amber. Yeah, let's walk before we can run. And you're absolutely right. right. Beating, the, beating the teams inside your division and the fact that Kansas City has just walked through and owned that division. When we thought they were going to get challenged finally this season, that should be your goal. He did say at the very end there, it's one of his goals this season. It should very much be one of your goals as we head into next season. Coming up here on Joe and Amber. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We want your phone calls. This is the time of the show where we ask you to join the conversation. It is your turn to weigh in with your hottest takes across sports, okay? Caller roulette, 888-SAY-ESPN. Plus, what's the difference between Lamar Jackson and Roquan Smith? That's next. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio, and you can always listen to us as well on the ESPN app. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Coming down the stretch here on Joe and Amber. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance, Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh. And we try to finish every show here with a little collar roulette. That means we spin the wheel. We go to the collar that the wheel lands on. You bring us your best takes, your hottest takes, anything from the world of sports, anything you got from us, for us rather. We love to hear from you. Give us a call. 888-SAY-ESPN 888-729-3776. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. Let's do it. Let's spin it. Daniel. Daniel is in Phoenix. Daniel, what do you have for us? Daniel? So my thoughts were, uh, we're going to need a new GM here in Arizona. But I was thinking, how about trading our number three pick to Chicago for DeAndre Hopkins and get that number one pick from Chicago, and then trading back with Houston to get their number two pick and their number 12 so we can pick up an offensive and defensive lineman. Just wanted to hear your thoughts off the air. Thank you so much. That right there is the beauty of sports talk radio. Mm-hmm. That right there. Because you've got fans cooking the trade machine with all types of scenarios. I can't even process what just happened. So take pick number three, which Arizona owns. Right. Take that Give it and to Deon- Chicago. That and DeAndre, and DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins. Send it to Chicago for number one. Well, I think DeAndre Hopkins has a no trade clause. Right. So he's going to have to weigh in on that number one. 
Number two, does Chicago want that as a wide receiver? I mean, you're going to want help for Justin you want, Fields, you want right? Weapons. You do want weapons. It's not terrible if you're Chicago. I mean, you've got to prove The Houston component, I didn't DeAndre even catch Hopkins. the Houston component. I was too then, busy well, then, to process then he's the taking, then he's t- Then he's trading back because he's taking the number one. He doesn't want the number one. Then he's trading back with Houston so that they trade up for the number one. He's trading back to, I don't have the draft order in front of me. What are they, sixth or seventh right now? Houston's he's two. Taking an, oh, Houston's two. Yeah. Oh, that's they true. Have a, Wait, they have Houston's another two. Pick. They have another pick in there as well, if I'm not mistaken. And so, well, anyways, there was the toggling back and forth. You trade with Houston. You know, I do think that Arizona is in the conversation to do some maneuvering like that. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be that maneuvering. I do think as well that Chicago is going to be part of the conversation in terms of trading away that number one. I think the whole thing about we might draft a quarterback is complete hogwash. I think whatever position they do end up in, there's a lot of positions that they need to address in the upcoming NFL draft. I think whatever position they do end up addressing at the top of the draft can be addressed a little bit, you know, number three, you know, number four, whatever spot you end up trading back for, you're not going to try to trade. I don't think out of the top five, certainly not out of the top 10 of your Chicago, but I do think you are trading that number one pick because I just don't believe the conversation right now around Justin Fields. I think they know Fields is their guy. I think it's a negotiation tactic, but it will be interesting to see what happens here with Arizona moving forward. And also what's it mean for a Cardinals team that will be bringing in a new staff. Let's spin the wheel. Hold on. I want to jump in one second. The NFL should have a contest one year, just one year only, where they go to a home game for each team and they find the drunkest, most out-of-control, diehard fan. That fan will be appointed general manager, and the 32 teams will have to conduct one NFL draft with that specific fan making the decisions. Imagine the trades we would have. Imagine the chaos that would ensue. The NFL should be, Goodell should be forced to do that at least one season in the next 10 years. I- guarantee that fan couldn't do worse than some of these draft picks that we've seen over the years. All right. I got too excited about the wheel. Let's spin it now. Let's stick with the Arizona conversation. Eric is in Arizona. Eric, thanks for the call. What do you have for us? Hey guys, I enjoy the show as always. That was quite a beat down last night, but uh, having watched sports, For 60 years, I would say that the all-time beatdown was not delivered by a bulldog, but by a horse named Secretariat at the Mm -hmm. 73 Belmont Stakes. That's a good one. Uh, I like that nomination. Uh, Earlier in the show, if you missed it, Joe and I, of course, were talking about last night's national championship. Was it the biggest beatdown in a championship game? Joe had also thrown out Tiger Woods, so we were going a little outside the box. I like that, the idea of going to the Belmont, going to horse racing there. That's a very good one because that was total domination, Joe. It was annihilation. And that's what I like, people thinking outside the box. Tiger Woods, Pebble Beach, 2000, second place, finishes plus three. Woods finishes 12 under for a 15-stroke win at the U.S. Open. Incredible. But Secretariat, when they make movies about you, you're obviously in the conversation. That is true. You're certainly in the conversation. Let's spin it again. Julius is in Atlanta. Julius, thanks for the call. What do you have for us? Um, after the Ravens sign Lamar Jackson, I think we should try like a third and a fifth round pick and get Mike Evans since he already did his thing in Tampa Bay. And there's nothing else for him to do when Tom Brady's going to retire. 
That's interesting. You still want Mike Evans to that degree. I, I, you know, those, those Tampa Bay receivers has fallen off a little bit this season, Joe. And so there's some question marks. Now we did just see a vintage performance from Evans. Like we saw one from Brady also in order for them to make a postseason. but Mike Evans this season overall, his numbers have been down a little bit. Um, I would think maybe that's a concern for him moving forward. Uh, that fan, very confident there that Lamar is going to sign with the Ravens. Not everyone is so confident about that component of what he just said. How about go get him, DeAndre Hopkins? How about that? How about for right. the first time in history, the Baltimore Ravens figure out how to put some good receivers around Lamar Jackson, right? You've got Mark Andrews at tight end. We know you can run the ball. You just re-signed Roquan Smith, and you have an excellent defense. Bring in DeAndre Hopkins and figure it out. The problem that I suspect, and this is just a conspiracy theory of mine, I think some elite wide receivers would rather play elsewhere than Baltimore because your stats are going to take a bit of a hit. It's why Mm -hmm. hitters don't want to go play at Oracle Park or whatever the hell they call it now in San Francisco because you are not going to be able to put up big power numbers in that park on the water with the fog and the wind and everything else coming through there. But if you can get DeAndre Hopkins in Baltimore and get Lamar Jackson re-signed, that's a dangerous offense right there. And you mentioned there that Hopkins has a lot of control over where he ends up. I mean, Mike Evans also would be a good signing. They need to give Lamar help there. I just think the Lamar component of that story is interesting. I wonder what happens there. If the Ravens really aren't willing to step up and pay him, I would imagine they still franchise him. But that's that conversation, that whole plot is going to thicken here as we head into an offseason. Another week we have kicked off here on Joe and Amber. Come back again tomorrow. We're going to do it.